Welcome back to the New Spirit community. My name is Isaac Shrek, and today, guess what? I get to interview another bunch of spearfishing legends from around the planet. This time it's right here in my hometown, Brisbane. It's Michael Heitzman, Ben Eckhart, uh, Brisbane Bull Sharks executive team, and we are chatting a heap of stuff about Brisbane spearfishing, so stay tuned. Before we get there, a couple of quick shout-outs. Um, the Adreno Sydney Adreno Kingfish Cup is happening on the 12th or 13th of November uh, this year. Um, there's an info night on the 3rd of November, which is a Thursday from 5.30. Get involved, get amongst it. If you don't know what's going on, you can go to the USFA uh, website or Adreno and just type in the Sydney Kingfish Cup and uh, get along because there's a bunch of like random door prizes as well. It's not just going to be any old info night. It's going to be a. It's going to be. It's going to be good. Also, Neptonics Tampa are hosting an event to support the USA men's spearfishing team. They say come out for food, drinks, raffle prizes, and a good time with the local divers. Ten percent off store wide, with a portion of the sales going to benefit the team. Uh, there's a bunch of raffle prizes, but that's at seven six one zero Industrial Lane in Tampa, Florida. Check it out, October sixth at six pm. Um, guys, let's get into today's interview but make sure you go to noobspiro.com check out the store up there get yourself a job for shirt or a spiro dad one or a girls with gills support the podcast noobspiro.com hey let's get into today's interview of brisbane bull sharks michael and ben I can't wait to get into today's episode, brought to you with proud partner, adreno.com.au. The Noob Spirit Podcast has been partnering with adreno.com.au for more than 100 episodes, and these guys are awesome. They have uh, huge spearfishing mega stores all over the country. You can shop online or in store. Use the code NoobSpiro whenever you spend more than $200, and you will automatically save $20. That's right. Use the code NoobSpiro online or in store when you spend more than $200 and save $20. I love these guys. I remember the first time I brought a spear gun at adreno.com.au down at the Wollongabba store and Adreno have been a huge part of the excitement that I have about spearfishing. Check them out at adreno.com.au use the code NoobSpero to save. Neptonics was founded in 1996 making trigger mechs in a barn in the Santa Cruz mountains. Solid gear that works was their founding principle and it still rings true today in every pull of a Neptonics trigger, in every snap of a Neptonics band, and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. Got a great deal, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off anything and everything at Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. Save 10% off any order at Neptonics.com when you use the code NOOB10. G'day guys. Hi, welcome to the Bull Sharks slash Noob Spiro, uh, a bit of a Spiro clinic tonight, it's awesome to have you guys with us. Um, I'm surrounded by greats as usual and I'm the Noob Spiro, so, um, and that's pretty much typical. These guys all started um, after me and they've already far surpassed me, which is pretty typical. So, but my name's Shrek, I host uh, the Noob Spiro podcast, which is like interviews with um, just awesome Spiros from all over the planet and... Um, these two, I've got Michael Heitzman here, uh, Polish world record holder, and Ben Eckhart, Australian record holder, so some greats tonight. Um, we're going to talk spearfishing, we've got sort of three topics or four topics we want to cover and then we're going to have a Q&A. So we'll start off with um, spearfishing in Brisbane, um, some personal introductions, then we're going to get into gear, and then we're going to do a bit of safety and 
free dive training for spearfishing specifically, I think. Um, Michael's created a great outline for us, so we'll stick to that. Um, at the Q&A section, I've got like a couple of giveaways down here for you guys, so let's get into it, I reckon. Michael, you want to introduce yourself? Sounds good. Yeah, so, so welcome everyone. I'm Michael Heitzman. Uh, I'm part of the Brisbane Bull Sharks Committee. And this event is something I, I, I guess we wanted to organize for, for quite some time. And, and really the motivation is, I, I guess, in the club we have a lot of you know, knowledge, whether it's being around freedive training, which I, I guess we, we get to sort of exercise at least fortnight, uh, twice a week. But one, one aspect which I think is fundamental to sort of the formation of the bull sharks and, and I think how it all started is sort of our roots in spearfishing. And, and, and I think it, it's sort of been mentioned by some of the members that they would like to see more with respect to spearfishing. And, and this is really something that we want to do. So I really listen to or share some of the knowledge around spearfishing. So, so this is sort of the first episode around introduction, sharing some of the, I guess, hard-learned lessons that, that we had to find out the hard way getting into spearfishing in Brisbane. But we also have some new other things planned. So, for example, we'll uh, run a trauma uh, workshop shortly. And uh, I guess by, based on, on sort of Shrek's suggesting that we're not going to get through all my content today. Uh, we'll, we'll probably uh, have a second or third iteration of, of this as well. Uh, hi, everyone. For those that don't know me, I'm Ben Eckert. Uh, so I'm on the coaching committee uh, for the Brisbane Bull Sharks. Uh, yeah, look, I, I've been with the club for uh, five or six years now. I think Shrek was one of the I think was the founding member of uh, the club with the famous Wayne Judge. Uh, he just hasn't been uh, around as much in the, the last year or two. But uh, yeah, as Mike said, I think this is a really good opportunity just to start, um, start sharing some knowledge around the club from a spearing perspective. We've done a lot of these types of workshops, probably not in such a long format or detailed format with, um, with some of the freediving topics. but. Uh, yeah, based on some of the feedback, uh, I think great opportunity to start uh, broadening that a little bit and, and um, as I said, share some knowledge around uh, uh, spearfishing. Uh, I think not just Mike and I, there's a lot of experience in this club. We've got um, state, uh, you know, state record holders in spearfishing. We've got freediving instructors that compete a lot in spearfishing. Uh, and then we've got a lot of Spiros that just, uh, you know, have, have dived all over the world and spend a lot of time here just training uh, when they can't get out in the blue. So, good opportunity. All right, cool. So, a quick introduction from me, I guess. Like, I started spearfishing in about 2010. Um, Southeast Queensland is rugged for learning how to spearfish. If you don't have a lot of money and you don't have a boat, you know, finding people to go with and all the rest of it, 12 years ago, it was an even more difficult proposition than it is now. It's got slightly better, but I'll still be honest, it's really difficult to get started spearfishing in southeast Queensland. Having said that, when you do start getting out and you start networking and learning where to go, there are some fantastic opportunities out here. We've got a beautiful uh, part of the world, particularly Morton and Stradbroke Island. Um, but in 2010, I was going all the places off the shore that everyone says you should go. 
Um, some of them were not even legal. Um, I didn't have good dive buddies. It took me a long time to meet people like Turbo. I met Turbo in a swimming pool being coached by Wayne Judge before the Brisbane Bull Sharks started. That's how I met most of my dive buddy network and I have forever been promoting the Bull Sharks and Wayne's training and the legacy that he's left and these guys carry on because I know it makes a massive difference in the world of Spiros. Like, not only do you develop a great network, but you learn all the basics of safety training, how to conduct a rescue, what shallow water blackout is, just working on those one percenters that do make a difference when you get out into the ocean. So I'm very much an advocate and a fan of Brisbane Bull Sharks, and, and I love how this is a freediving club that's super open and, and super helpful to the spearfishing community. So massive props to you guys for keeping this going because it takes a lot of work. It's a volunteer team, but you guys have got a really talented team of a bunch of awesome people. Um, the Polish Rocket, obviously, and uh, and um, and Ben, you've set numerous records now, so it's fantastic. So um, I'll just pass it over to Mike. So um, Mike, we're going to get started chatting about your story, and then and then Brisbane spearfishing. Yep. Hi guys, uh, Michael. <laughs> All right, so, so I think I have to set the record straight first <laughs> for, for everyone that is not familiar with the running trike. So, so I'm Swiss, and just not to offend the, so great, I, he's not. the great nation of, of freediving that Poland really is, and I think the Polish records are <laughs> something to aspire to. Anyway, so, so now with the record straight, so, so maybe a, a quick tell you guys how, how I got into it, and I think that really echoes a lot of, of what uh, Shrek just said around sort of difficulties of getting into spearfishing. So, so obviously coming from Switzerland, I had very little opportunities to, to get involved in, in spearfishing. But funny enough, the first time I went to the Mediterranean, I, I think every night we went out, and I, I would have been 14 at, at the time, I, I wanted to go into the spearfishing uh, or dive shop there and look at the spear guns and and that sort of desire to spearfish I think stuck with me and then when we moved out to Australia shortly after and it's sort of you know similar timeline I think probably about a year after uh, Shrek uh, I had one of our, actually our common mates that that sort of got into it and and that sort of refreshed my desire to spearfishing and. Uh, and, and I think after that, I, I haven't really looked back, and, and it sounds really corny, but I think it, it's one of the best things I, I've done in my life. And, and I think that comes back sort of to, to what we have here in Brisbane. So I think as Shrek was saying, the, um, the conditions we have are definitely not easy diving conditions. A lot of the more offshore stuff on, on the outside of Morton and, and Strapbrook Island, you can only access with a boat. There's big currents. It's reasonably deep as well. But at the same time, and I had the opportunity now to travel quite a bit with, with spearfishing, on the right day, hands down, I st still think it's, it's world-class conditions. I think if, if, we, if I look back through some of my... Facebook photos or various pictures we took. If you're out there on the right day, I think you'd be stoked on, on any offshore charter trip if, if you had some of, of those days. But I think to really have those days, I, I think being a, a solid diver and, and sort of putting the work in being in shape, 
I, I think is, is really important and I, I, I guess that's in, in my case where the Brisbane Bullsharks freedive training has, has really helped and uh, maybe I can quick tell this story. So the reason why I came to the Brisbane Bullsharks was uh, I, I was diving with quite a well-known South African uh, diver, Conrad. <laughs> so he's one of the better or best divers we have around right here. But he basically told me in very certain terms that my diving technique was absolute shit, but my breath hold was relatively good. And, and that sort of really changed, I think, my journey in, in spearfishing in, in that I, I joined the bull shark, started to train, and with that over quite a, a long period, I, I made some really good progress into comfortably diving much deeper, and, and with that, Obviously, a lot better fish came along. Thanks, mate. Uh, my start was a little bit different. I kind of I started on land, so uh, I got a spear gun at eight, an old Sea Hornet, and spent the first few years That's shooting shooting it at um, shooting it at trees around the property, uh, dry loading and dry shooting. I wouldn't recommend that to anyone at home. Uh, until I got into my teenage years and I could actually get in the water and get it wet. Uh, I think, look, I'd echo what um, Michael said. It's really, it's quite difficult. The hardest part of spearfishing in southeast Queensland is starting. Uh, there's not a lot of shore diving spots. Um, I dabbled around with it in my teens uh, and, you know, shot, shot the odd fish and it was really just to, to get in there and um, be in the water more than anything. It wasn't so much the attraction of, um, of hunting and spearing. Uh, and then in my early 20s, I kind of rediscovered it with because um, I had a bunch of mates that, that got into it. Um, we were all kind of learning together, um, making all the mistakes everybody does, shooting some fish you probably shouldn't shoot, uh, shooting and hunting in areas you put, probably shouldn't hunt. And uh, a, a good, uh, probably a good recommendation for anyone starting out is get to know your fish and get to know your, um, your green zones. Uh, and then um, it really what changed for me was uh, getting, a, getting a boat. So I really didn't have a network um, of, of spearfishing mates to teach me or to learn or to go out with. So um, I kind of progressed from shore diving and bought myself a boat uh, and spent a lot of time with one or two mates for, for quite a few years just offshore, um, learning through uh, making mistakes. Uh, and I think it wasn't until I discovered the, the Brisbane Bull Sharks that I really established a, a really core group of, um, you know, friends and that I dive with all of the time now, Mike, Mikey being one of those, uh, and, um, and really learnt from, you know, learnt uh, a lot from, from those that I dive with. I think the best thing about this sport is you never stop learning. Uh, you're constantly picking up different techniques, different, uh, um, you know, different styles, uh, just different learnings from, from those that you, you, that you dive with, no matter how long they've been diving and, um, and no matter how, what their experience is. So, uh, yeah, from there, uh, from that, um, you know, from that first moment, I was pretty hooked. Snakes, snakes on boats make you friends, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nothing like getting rid of that ning taste in your mouth with a with a with a few snakes. Yeah, best uh, if you want to be a good body for those starting out, bring mm. a pack of snakes. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. I think because the culture here is so much boat spearfishing, because the shore diving activities are very limited. 
Like at the moment, we're in the grips of a La Nina season. Um, if you've been diving 10 times this year, you're doing better than 95% of the Spiros in Brisbane. Um, and if you're a shore diver, you've probably been out twice. Um, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but just like honestly, shore diving at the moment, lucky if 20% of the, of the total days of this year have been diveable. Uh, whereas boat diving probably opens you up somewhere like around the 40% mark just to give you a, a rough sort of estimate of, of what it gives you. Um, getting out on boats, though, unless you, if you have the money to buy a boat, fantastic. You've still got to build a crew of core divers, and the Brisbane Bull Sharks is definitely a place where you can do that. Um, I met at least half a dozen dive buddies here, and you know we, we had a, a Facebook group chat called the POS Divers, the piece of shit dive crew. We're all cheeky buggers and uh, had a great time. And because everyone shared the same baseline training you get here at Bull Sharks in terms of how to conduct a rescue and follow each other, um, it made going out on a boat a natural fit. You know, I think sometimes we can borrow ideas from the military, which is, you know, you, you don't rise to the level of your expectations, you fall to the level of your training. And a lot of the stuff you do in the swimming pool does cross over to the ocean. You've still got to get your head around it, and you've still got to spend a lot of time in the ocean to start doing it. But um, yeah, Jason and I's—sorry, uh, um, Michael and I's mate Jason—I um, shared some early shore diving adventures with him, and um, a memorable day. We came across a school of jewfish on a headland, and um, the school came in on us, and I shot and missed as usual. Um, his his mate Jason shot one, and then I was like, oh, well, well, we'll get on to them again. I'll shoot another one. The school came through again, and he shot a fish, but it wasn't a great shot, so I put a second shot in it. That was the end of the Jewfish. He got two for the day, and I got none. But um, he is a great guy, and, and obviously you carried on with Jason, and he still carried on diving with you. Is he still diving? No, I think he has two kids and moved out to the forest somewhere, so, so unfortunately he's, he's no longer of diving but but you, you know i think what trek was saying around you know the ability to 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 get on on boats or at least have sort of a, a group of bodies that you can dive with is, is super important and, and one point i wanted to make there was i i think it's you actually like when i look for for bodies i normally post on on the bull shark uh, thing when when i take our boat out it's it's not so much about whether you're a good diver, but more so whether you're a good and safe person to dive with and and sort of respectful. So uh, I think one one thing is, is is really sort of you know the way you handle your gun. Like I get super nervous and and typically don't invite guys back if if, if I get guns pointed at me because it's just it feels really terrible. And, and it does happen actually quite often. And, and I think, you know, when you get into it, it does take a lot of time to, to, to maybe figure out, you know, where you're pointing your gun. But, but I think that's where, you know, shore diving is extremely valuable, albeit it's, it's quite hard to, to, to get good visibility. But the ability just by yourself and the body to, to go out and shore dive I think helps you to to get familiar with, with your gear. S same thing like, you, you know, rolling up flight lines at the end of the dive. When it's really on, I do get frustrated on, on my boat if it takes forever for people to wind in their flight lines. 
I don't mind so much if it's on a slow day, but I, I think one thing, it's, it makes me sound really t terrible, but I'm just really passionate about spearing. <laughs> but, but I think one, one thing which, which is really important is I think, you know, practice those things around, you know, how you handle your gear, how you roll up your flight line, because that makes a big difference when you show up to, to dive with someone the first time. And then the other one, which uh, actually is, is, is never the problem of, of the people starting out, but, but if you're the first time with somebody on a boat, don't freaking drop on them when they're diving and shoot the fish over their head. Like, it's, it's fine, I think, if it's, you know, yeah, if it was Ben or Ryan or any of the guys I dive with, I can probably handle it a little bit. He doesn't. <laughs> You hear about it for months afterwards. Yeah, but it, it, at least I still dive with you. Whereas if it's people that you're taking out on your boat the first time, yeah, I do take it quite personally. <laughs> I've never had an invite. Oh, we were diving for a while. <laughs> yeah, did, you shoot, did you shoot a fish off, off his back at one point, mate? He hasn't invited you back. Probably. Great news, guys. Adam Stern has made his freedivingfamily.com courses available at a discount for the Noob Spiro community. If you get on freedivingfamily.com, use the code SPIRO, you'll get 20% off any course. There's a bunch of sick courses on there. There's an equalizing uh, stage one. There's an equalizing advanced techniques um, video there. They're two of my absolute favorites. If you have any problems with equalizing, go to freedivingfamily.com. Get Adam's course and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Killfish with precision and power, sending shafts from a stable platform with Killshot spear guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American-made dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any Killshot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. Ed says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com, based in the Florida Keys. Function first, pretty design second. Penetrator's dual-action water-channeling rail provides more efficient action and similar fins by directing more water flow down the blade. This eliminates wobble, meaning that you get way more bang for your buck, for your energy buck. Visit penetratorfins.com, use the code NoobSpiro to save $25 on every pair, on any pair. That's correct, my friend. Use the code NoobSpiro to save $25 on any set of penetrator blades at penetrator.com. So, so actually, Shrek was the first person that took me out on a boat. And, and I, th I think that's something really important when you go out... I think, you know, in spearfishing, there's probably the, the sort of the inherent alpha male sort of uh, mentality. And, and, you know, I was green as anything, and I went out on this boat. I could barely dive 10 meters. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. And maybe, yeah. Sorry, so we took him to a spot that was 25 meters deep. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, so they took me to a spot that was 25 meters deep. I, I struggled all day long. I didn't obviously tell anyone how much I was struggling. 
and and everyone shot good size kingfish like 10 15 kilo kingfish and and basically I, by the end I was the only one that hadn't shot one so everyone just so myself and Jason were still in the water everyone just got it their uh, their, their kingies and there was just guts and everything floating around and obviously kingfish came in and I managed to shoot one and I pretty much drowned myself uh, doing it. Uh, and, and you know that's sort of an example like in retrospect it was a super cool experience but I, I think having not told people how uncomfortable you are in a situation is, is actually a big risk and, and I think it worked out well but I think that's something for, I think, both the beginners as well as the experienced bureaus running about to, to sort of keep in mind. And, and I'm probably guilty of that, you know, taking, you know, beginners out because I want to dive the, yeah, the 30 meter spots and I know where the, the good fish are. But like at the same time, I think being mindful of how different the situation can feel for depending on, on, on your skill level and and to o openly, I think, communicate those points. I think to me that's a big thing about safety. I just wanted to give you all a couple of quick tips for kingies, basically. Like we might have been in 25 metres of water, but um, kingies are one of these awesome fish that um, if someone heads down maybe 15 or 20 metres, they might plug a curious um, kingie and then you can hold it hold it down there and it'll swim around and then the rest of the school come in on it and you can slowly pull it up and the school will come up into five metres of water. So even entry level guys can still sometimes get an opportunity on a good fish. So there's a few different tricks you can use. After you've been spearing a while, you tend to ride off kingies. It's just they're not as challenging. And so everyone wants to go more and more challenging. There's a, there is an ego game. There's a self-mastery thing there. There's an alpha type personality where we're always trying to go for the next best thing. But I love eating kingies. I still like smashing them. I don't, I, I don't have any issues with them at all. Yeah, and they're, they're fun to shoot too, I think. Uh, but I think to your point, Shrek, even if you can, um, I think, you know, especially if you can get offshore in a boat, uh, you don't have to be diving deep to come across kingies, especially this time of year. Um, and they're so inquisitive. So even if you just find the odd lone kingie just floating through or swimming through, you know, if you've got a little flasher, if you just make some noise, make some movement, they will come right in and broadside you and just, and just look you in the eye just to check you out. Uh, and I think a really good thing to remember is that they're really inquisitive and they're going to stick around a while. So just don't rush it. You've got, usually got a fair bit of time because they'll, they'll really have a good look at you um, and you're able to you know, get a decent shot on them. Uh, but they, they fight pretty dirty. So that's, that's why they're a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think that's a good, maybe another point to pick up about the diving deep side of things. Like, so yes, a lot of the ground around here is quite deep, and if you want to hunt the reef species, uh, all the good grounds, or most of the good grounds, are, are, are really deep, I think, compared to sort of the broader spearing standards. So talking 20 plus meters into yeah, the 30s and 40s. But... It's not necessary, and, and I think it, it's quite dangerous to just have that mindset and go out and say, I, I'm going to dive you know, 20 meters today and, and just focus on, the, on that number. Like in, in my case, my journey into diving deep after I joined the Bull Sharks was, was reasonably quick, but 
I, I had quite, quite early on, I had some issues around like a long squeeze that I got because I was attacked by some snakes underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and, but after that, I struggled for probably about a year with getting, you know, sort of long squeezes on quite shallow dives. But I think that was actually the best thing that happened to me because I stopped focusing on, you know, going to 25 or going to 30, but I just focused on, you know, diving relaxed, diving, you know, comfortable within sort of what I felt were the limits on that day. And, and you know, now I think, yeah, I'm, I'm back way beyond like sort of that level. That, I think that really helped me to, to push past that so if that 20, 25 meter mark. Maybe the sea snakes don't like Polish people, so something we can all relate to. Um, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna move quickly into um, gear because we have got a few topics we wanna cover off. Michael's brought in some spear guns. This is a good conventional uh, rail gun. So Mike, do you wanna give us a quick rundown? Uh, I'll hold it while you sort of give people the, actually, just before we get into it, how many of you guys spear already? Just hand, show of hands if you spear already. Okay. Well, a half hand there, I like that. That's me too, buddy. Um, what about, who's interested in spearfishing that doesn't spear at the moment? Okay. All right, cool. We, I'm looking forward to Q&A with you guys, so we'll get into it a bit more. So we are going to go into a little bit of spear gun sort of mechanics. They, when, no one wants to be that guy that walks in the shop and you don't know how to use what it is someone's trying to sell you. So if we can just give you a couple of quick insights on the operations of a spear gun, that'll probably be pretty helpful, I'd imagine. All right, yeah, so, so when it comes to spear guns, obviously there's a lot of, of, of different models and size, shapes and sizes, but the, the most common setup, uh, and I think for, for, for sort of diving around here, it, to start off with, is, is really the, the sort of twin rubber uh, sp spear gun, so a rail gun, which means the shaft is in a rail, wh which you will need if you have guns that are more than a sort of a meter long, which around here, we probably talk about lengths afterwards, but uh, so, so basically a rail gun where, where the spear is su supported in a rail, um, and, and, and then basically it, there's really not that much to it, so there's the handle, uh, I think having a, a solid Good handle, uh, I think, is, is really important. The, the brand and type, or whether it's a carbon versus an aluminium spear gun, I honestly think it's, it's overrided, and I, I know my wife is going <laughs> to take that out on me. I, I'm, a, I'm a gearhead, so I like my good gear, but honestly, I, I think the, the quality of the gear, as long as it's decent, it's, it's not what makes you a good spear, I, I think. Uh, yeah, look, I think I just add. So if, um, if I'm going to suggest kind of starting out what kind of gun and gear you'd look for, uh, personally, I, think, I, like, I keep, like to keep things really simple. A twin band, 1.1 to 1.2 metre gun, uh, rail gun, you can either have a closed muzzle or an open muzzle. Um, a closed muzzle is, so this is an open muzzle. Uh, so you can see at the top there, it's, it's completely open. It just makes it a little bit harder. You've got to get used to guiding the, the shaft or the spear back into the gun. Where it's closed, it's just kind of a little bit of a, a plastic um, kind of cover over the top that just allows you to guide the spear back in. 
and just makes it a little bit easier to, to kind of reload quickly. Um, personally, I don't think it really matters, um, especially when you're starting out. Uh, and and then um, a 1.1 to 1.2 metre gun, particularly in southeast Queensland, will cover you for pretty much every type of diving and every type of fish you're chasing. You know, if you get a 1.1, 1.2 rail gun to start with, that's a gun that's going to last you forever. You can take, take through, you know, you'll probably progress and you might get a few different guns for different scenarios as you get, as you get a little bit better. But uh, personally, keep it really simple, um, low maintenance, really easy to manage when you're in the water and reload because what you don't want is that complexity. Personally, I'm not a big fan of rollers because there's a fair bit of complexity that comes with those. Um, yeah, simple. Just keep it simple. That's uh, that's kind of my approach. And and I think the other thing when it comes to lengths, I, I think that range, so 110 to 130, I think is the ideal range around here. But I think the other thing you have to consider is is your your your, pers your size. So so if you're a smaller person, whilst yeah, if you're a smaller person, I think it's worthwhile going for a slightly smaller gun because it will make the loading so much easier. But if if you're you know one eighty one meter eighty plus, I would go straight for the one meter thirty, particularly if you're planning to do multiple or more boat diving. If if you, if you know or you don't currently have access to to boat diving, I reckon that one meter ten, one meter twenty. Is, is the perfect size. If you already have a boat or you sort of joining a group of people that are, are diving with boats mostly, I would go straight to 1 meter 20 to 1 meter 30. I think with most guns, even if you bought a, a closed muzzle, you can usually change out the muzzles pretty easily. So if you do get to the point where you felt that you, know, you wanted to move to an open muzzle gun, you don't necessarily need to, to replace the, the, whole, the whole gun. Um, what I'd recommend for every beginner is to is to dive with a float line. Actually, I'd recommend everyone to dive with a float line. Do as I say, not as I do, because I don't. Uh, but um, you've got two options when I talk about float line or an alternative. So you've got a real gun where you've got a reel that's attached to the gun, uh, like this this one over here. Mikey's going to get. So you can see there, there's a reel there. It's probably got 50 to 70 meters of um, line, and that's attached to your spear. So in that scenario, you shoot a fish, and the fish starts running with your spear in. Uh, similar to a fishing rod, it's going to run and going to strip line off your reel. Now, the challenge with that is you've got nothing, um, you've got nothing uh, connecting your gun to yourself. You don't want to because it's quite dangerous. Um, whereas opposed to having a float line and a float, you can shoot a fish, you can let go of your gun, um, and the fish will run until the float, and the float will stop you losing your, um, losing your gun, losing your gear, uh, and you can slowly tease the fish up by pulling in the, uh, the float line. It's a lot easier, it's a hell of a lot safer. Um, 100%. So I recommend just conventional gun, don't worry about a roller, don't worry about a reel. You want a classic conventional spear gun with a 10 or 15 metre rig line, onto a float on the surface. We, some people call it the 10 metre or the 15 metre float line apprenticeship. It just gives you a really nice basic setup that's going to give you the best experience. The last thing you want is complication when you're just starting. Keep yep. it super simple. 
because you've got enough to worry about with the ocean conditions, getting rid of surface, you know, surface chop and your snorkel, snorkel filling up. It's not like a swimming pool. It's not a controlled environment in the ocean. So there's a lot of stuff to learn and get used to. You want super simple gear. You can jump in, enjoy yourself. Um, I think it might be good just to clarify, we are talking about the different sizes before, just kind of why people would go a smaller gun or a, or a bigger gun as well. So obviously a bigger gun is going to give you a little bit more range, but the challenge with that is, particularly if you're shore diving or diving in murkier water, um, you're not going to be able to find a fish from that kind of distance in terms of having a longer gun, and you don't need that, that kind of power. Um, when we talk about a 110 to 120, that's that really good mid-range size that's small enough for you to do shallow water, some, um, you know, some uh, shore diving, particularly in murky water where you're trying to sneak up on fish and get quite close to shoot them. Um, but it's also big enough to give you range and power that when you do progress to some um, deeper water, blue water diving from boats, that um, you've got enough power when you do come across some of your larger fish that you can't get as close to and you do need a little bit of range and enough power to punch through them. So that's kind of the, you know, why we, why we talk about the different lengths. Um, we were going to touch on training. I think, and how it sort of correlates to spearfishing, like training in the pool and how it goes over. One thing I've noticed with a few bull sharks, and I'm not having to go anyone or anything by any means, um, I started in the ocean and then I came to the pool. If you start in the pool and you go to the ocean, sometimes you've just got to recover that learning mindset, that, oh, hey, I don't know jack shit out here. I've really got to listen and learn and pay attention. And it can be a hard switch to make. Um, you might do a 75 metre dynamic, you know, that if you count that as going halfway to the bottom, then you're 32.5 metres, it does not correlate into the ocean at all, and it shouldn't. Um, if you're swimming 100 metre dynamic in the pool and it's your first time spearfishing, I recommend 10 metres. And just have fun, get used to equalising, clearing your snorkel, being a good buddy, all the basic stuff, all that sort of stuff, just taking it right back and going simple will pay off in the long run, I reckon. Yeah, to totally agree. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we've spoken a lot about it's hard to start in, in southeast Queensland in particular because there's not a lot of shore diving you need. So you don't need to get on a boat. Um, I spent years and years shore diving and I actually, these guys will give me shit because I'm the first to jump in when it's murky and choppy because I love hunting in that murk. Uh, because that's what I kind of, that's how I learnt. Uh, I'm comfortable in it, which is really good now because if I'm in nice, clear, warm, blue water, I mean, I'm even more comfortable. So it's a really great learning ground as long as you, you, know, you do it safely and you've got the right gear. Um, but uh, I, I think don't, don't be afraid to start just because you think, oh, there's not many shore diving opportunities in southeast Queensland and Brisbane and you know, I need to have a boat. Uh, you don't. We've got you know, a number of members here. Charles is a big one. He regularly... Um, shore dives because that's like he's just so keen wants to get out uh, and that's the only diving that's available to him and that was that was like me I, I remember getting up you know before work and uni and driving to little bombies I found on Google Maps or the UBD and um, just jumping in in, in Merck and not being it's able to UBD. see <laughs> yeah, there'd be a few here that don't remember what a UBD is uh, uh, it's what you used to drive around and it, uh, you, it also had a few little uh, marks on beaches if they had rocks right in close. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think don't be afraid. Just get, get out and get into it and, and have a go. 
Uh, and then the more time you spend around places like the Bull Sharks and the club, the more you know, bigger your network will grow and then you'll get, you'll get um, opportunities to spend time on, on boats and get further out. And maybe just a quick thing to throw in there is, is also, and that's something I definitely didn't do, but when you get into diving in the ocean, I, I think to leave the spear gun at home, and I, I think in retrospect what I should have done is actually gone to the spit or maybe out to Tangaluma. So it's, it's 50 bucks to go to Tangaluma for the day, and you can dive around the wrecks with your body all day long. See great fish. And actually, that's a really good point. You probably get to sort of memorize at least probably 80% of the, or 70% of the fish you're going to see at least in, in the first few dives. You see at those wrecks and it's fun to dive there. It's, it's about the right depth. And, and obviously, clearly, just to make it very clear, so no spearing at the wrecks, but... Um, you, yeah, the, the, you can really get used to what it's like diving in the ocean in a very realistic scenario, whereas by the time you have your spear gun and your flight and wives and fish to hunt, there's, there's quite a bit going on, so, so it does help to, 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 to break, it, break it apart. Yeah. And a shit buddy, like one that, one that just swims off. Because sometimes... And I'm not being rude to any older, experienced divers. There are a lot of guys that don't have great habits. So when you jump over the side of the boat, if you're out with people you don't know and they're the skipper, they might head in one direction and they expect you to kind of just look after yourself. So, I mean, the habits you learn here at the Bull Sharks form great uh, muscle memory. Um, let's get into some of the safety with spearfishing stuff. Um, I know Michael's witnessed a number of um, shallow water blackouts which are remarkably common and unless, uh, if you guys have seen comps here you've, pro you've probably seen a couple um, and it's, it's actually quite good to see it because at least then you know the warning signs you know what you're looking for and I'm you know, not saying you know, it's you know how to help someone recover from it too yeah. in a really controlled environment which I think is really important mm -hmm. yeah so if it happens out there you, you don't panic and you know exactly what's going on and how to how to help them how to rescue them Let's let's. I, I, we're probably preaching to the choir here with shallow water blackout because you guys cover across this stuff every week. But let's just talk about some of the stuff and misconceptions we see frequently around um, the Southern Spearfishing uh, Facebook group. is fantastic resource, great place to meet people. But there are there is a lot of inexperienced people on there that are looking for information. And sometimes when you go free, you know you. you you're not really putting anything yourself into it. You, you just get the information you're given. There's some good conversations on there. But let's talk about some of the misconceptions about shallow water blackout. Yeah, look, I think um, the, the big one that I hear all the time is, uh, well, if I just dive within my limits, I'm not pushing it. Um, then it, you know, it eliminates that risk. And again, I, I, I acknowledge that there's um, a, lot of, a lot of members here that um, have spent a lot of time on this and are, are really aware of it. But I think that's, that's a really... That's a really big misconception. Um, it's not too hard to, to push yourself to the point where you could potentially black out. And there's so many external factors that drive that too. So you could be tired, you could be hungry, you could be doing multiple swims or multiple drops to really, you know, shallow depths or, or you know, not long distances. But um, all of those accumulate and you get to the point where, uh, um, where you do have a shallow water blackout. And I think the other thing is too, if you, you speak to quite a few people that have experienced blackouts, they'll quite often tell you that they felt fantastic before they did. 
Um, there are no warning signs. Like they call it the silent killer. Uh, so I think a lot of new guys starting out figure, oh, well, I'm not pushing it. I'm not feeling that real heavy urge to breathe. I'm feeling really comfortable. Uh, they may have um, hyperventilated knowingly or unknowingly, which, which is a huge contributor to it. Um, I think that's a, it's probably a big point as well. I was just going to say, sometimes it's not the new guys with the shallow water blackout. The dangerous zone is when you actually start to become competent. And then all of a sudden you start to think that you know more than you do about your own body. And that's when we sort of can cut it a bit fine, cut it a bit close. And there's something immensely satisfying about the battle of wits with a fish. You know, and there's that old cliche, no fish is worth your life. But when you're on the bottom and you've been trying to coax a job fish in for about 25 seconds, there's always that temptation to stay there a little bit longer so that you can hold it up for Instagram or some shit. Um, and we're all guilty of it. It doesn't matter if you're an older diver or a younger diver, female, male, doesn't matter. We're all sort of, it's just one of the allures of the sport and it's something that we don't acknowledge enough that it can be the actually guys that are starting to reach a level of competency that are the ones that are most at risk. Yeah, really good point. Exactly, and, and maybe since we have, a lot of us have a pool training background, I think there is actually sort of a risk, you know, with becoming quite good in pool free diving because you get very comfortable to both with, you know, high CO2, so you get a good CO2 tolerance, which definitely helps you as a diver, but and you get quite comfortable with, with high otis or high uh, hypoxic tolerance. But I, I think these is, it's a group that's particularly vulnerable at the start. If you then venture out in the ocean, you know, maybe you are able to dive 20 plus meters straight away if you don't have any issues with equalizing. But the, the problem then becomes there's so many other factors like as Rick was saying, you know, hunting a fish or once you, you actually shoot the fish, fighting that fish to the surface or getting tangled in your flight line where, where suddenly all those, those things you sort of internalized in the pool and that worked very well in the pool suddenly don't apply anymore. And, and, and I think that's, that's sort of when it, when it gets dangerous. Maybe from, from my side, as Rick was, was saying, I, I've been involved in, in two... No, so not personally involved in that. I was the one that had the blackouts, but I, I was involved in two reasonably severe shallow water blackouts. I think one was literally half a minute away from, or probably less than half a minute away from being like, yeah, the, the end of it. And, and the other one, which, yeah, so how, how much time do we have? Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe I, I tell the, the one that, that wasn't so, so severe, but I think it's a good example. So I was diving with, with this group of guys that I haven't dived before. Um, that guy was diving quite average the whole time. And one of his buddies got the spear stuck in 18 meters. And there was so much current, so I got everyone back on the boat. We had a, a buoy on, on that spear or on, on, the, on the gun. And basically, we're sitting on the flight. I said, look, there's a lot of current. Somebody jumps in with me. I'll dive down. I'll get the spear. And somebody just spots me from the surface. And then, so we do exactly that. I jump in, breathe up, start swimming, 
literally about a meter before I get to the spear, I saw this guy suddenly appears out of nowhere that I haven't seen diving 15 meters the whole rest of the day. He grabs the spear and I sort of look at it and sort of like, oh, that's actually a pretty decent dive for him. And I was sort of, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. I helped him untangle the stuff on, on the ground and then we started swimming up together. And I was probably about two meters behind him. By, by the time I got to the surface, he was al already gurgling and making funny sounds. And by the time I realized what was going on, he was already about two meters deep. And that was it. like his son was on the bite as well. So, so obviously I was literally right there, but, and it was clear visibility and sort of everything worked in, in Fiverr and he came back straight away. But I, I think it's, it's one of those examples. I think if, if there's high risk activities, it's shooting and fighting a fish and recovering gear. I, I think particularly recovering gear, I think people forget the, the amount of effort that can involve. And or, yeah, or, or chasing numbers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's a good outcome when a Polish guy rescues you and gives you mouth-to-mouth -mouth on the surface. Because, believe it or not, a lot of people don't have a buddy there on the surface looking at them when they black out. And that's the silent killer, as, um, as, as Ben said. It's easy to kind of treat this as cliche after a while and we kind of forget some of the stuff. Following safe systems of diving, like where you have a great buddy protocol, like it'll serve you so well in the future. You get more fish, you have less drama with sharks, you celebrate the victories, you see when your mate does something awesome, like you, you put more second shots in fish and so more goes over the side. Not only are there huge safety benefits, because your buddy is your only bit of safety equipment, but you, you also have the practical teamwork benefits of spearfishing as well. I, I think we've seen a massive cultural shift over the years. I think Bull sharks is a great part of making safe divers in Brisbane waters, but you've, we've still got to do it. We've got to put it into action. I've had trouble with this, and I've been preached to for 12 years about safe diving, and I still am guilty of doing the wrong thing at times, and I just, I just want to be honest about it. Yeah. One thing I've found uh, in order like, to, to be successful with a good buddy protocol is talk about it before you get in the water, have a plan. And I like that scuba diving protocol, one guy who's about to dive is the leader. That means you, as the buddy, follow them wherever the hell they want to go. Even if you're like, oh man, there's no fish over there, you dumbass, you've still got to follow them. Let them punch out their dive. When they come back to the surface and they're okay, you, do, you don't have to do a surface protocol, but just stay 15, 20 seconds, pay attention to them, particularly if they've pushed it. Then it's your turn to lead, and then the other person, they follow. It's as simple as that, and yet we mess it up every time we get in the water. And maybe just one other quick thing, which I've observed now quite a few times, is I think a lot of people dive with too much weight. Um, and, and that's, I think, it doesn't help you prevent the shallow water blackout, but if it does happen, the chances of not sinking to the bottom are so much greater, and, and, and that's a, a big part of it, obviously. And, and maybe to give the tip there, and I think the reason why people get it wrong is because it does feel nice diving with a lot of weight because it makes the dive down very, very easy. And I've literally dived with people that had to kick once or twice from the surface and then free fall to the bottom 
which which obviously means like if if you breathe out and, and typically that happens when you have a shallow water blackout it's quite common that people expel some air which then means you you obviously sink down so i i think the a safe way to figure out to be on the safe side is 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 really to fully exhale and you should not sink down on on the surface there's a caveat to this because if you start off shore diving you are overweighting for a reason, and that's so that you can hunt effectively in shallow water. The problem is when you take that habit out onto the boat. So if you're a shore diver, 80% of the time, you're probably weighted so that you're neutral at five, four or five metres. When you go out in a boat, you want to have take at least a weight or two off. And that's just a good sort of rule of thumb. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, but that's kind of where the habit comes from. But like Michael's saying too, we all just want an easy descent. But really, if you think about it, you think, no, 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 I don't want an easy descent, I want an easy ascent, you know, because you've still got to work. If you're down deep and you're neutral at 10, you've got to work all the way to, you know, seven or eight metres below the surface. Shrek, my dude, you're killing it on the Noob Spiro podcast. Every guest you get on frosts on the spearing life, and the actionable info is off the chain. Over here at Spearing Magazine HQ, it's the same, buddy. So many noobers are submitting their adventures, lessons learned, and pictures here at spearingmagazine.com. Just wanted to say that uh, noobers can get an international subscription here at spearingmagazine.com. They can also check out our In the Face Apparel or getting a subscription to the world's greatest Spearing Magazine. Check it out at spearingmagazine.com. Shrek, thanks. Love what you're doing. Jeremy out. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel and Hands-Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifinning Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Sometimes with weather and commitments, it's a long time between drinks in your spearfishing journey. If you want a dry training program that can keep you in some kind of shape for spearfishing, check out Ted Hardy's 28-day freediving transformation at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. That's noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Now, the 28-day freediving transformation is just a practical dry training plan that Ted Hardy will walk you through and it will help you get results even if you can't get wet at the moment. Check it out at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Friends, check out oldmanblue.com.au. It's quality made dive gear right there in the Western Australia by a really cool team. The Old Man Blue team are a very experienced bunch of frothing Spiros that live the life and have done so for a number of years. Check it out at oldmanblue.com.au. Um, guys, let's get into Q&A. Um, we, we are running out of time. I really want to get into questions from the crew. So, Ben, Ben, you're volunteering, mate. You can't run off now. Um, so let's take it to you guys. I've got a number of books there for good questions. I know Will's probably busting at the seams to ask one. You want to go first, mate? Okay. Anyone else? Has someone got some questions about Brisbane spearfishing? Float line length for short diving, you know, recommended 
Yeah, stay clear of all of those nice PVC foam-filled ones because as soon as they go around a rock, they get punctured and it's game over. You've just spent 80 bucks on a bit of rubbish. Um, so just the telecom rope, the, you know, the, the, the black stuff, the PVC line is just fine. Um, I like 10 metres, honestly, when you're just starting because even if you're, let's just say you, you can do 50 metres in the pool, that's probably a good, a good amount of fitness to get you down to 10 metres and, and, and under that. And there's plenty of fish in that, in that realm. Um, and you also fine-tune a lot of hunting techniques because learning to duck dive quietly and not make a lot of noise when your buddy's on the, on the, you know, on the bottom in front of you. Like, they seem like real basic bananas when you've been spearing a long time, but when you're just starting, just getting in that, you know, those reps is, is just huge. But um, you guys... Yeah, I'd say 10 to 15 metres. I think at the end of the day, too, you just got to remember, I mean, the length is really just just to cover your depth. So if you're not diving more than 10 metres, and you, particularly if you're shore diving, you're, quite off, you're most likely not going to need to dive more than 10 metres. And even if you're able to, then 10 to 15 metres is plenty. You just need enough to get you down quietly, get to the bottom and hunt. Um, it's not necessarily about how much, how much um, length you've got on the surface. Yeah. Thank you. Charles. How do you handle your gut both on the descent and like when you're at the bottom, you touch the bottom, do you stick it out, do you hold it, you know, how do you, how do you handle your gut? Do you move around with the other hand? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, that's actually a really good question, and I'm glad I brought the gun so I can maybe demonstrate it. But one one thing is, which is really important, for, both from a diving as well as from a hunting point of view, is is to keep your gun close to your body and streamlined because it it's of reduces the amount of of shadow you produce and you, you definitely scare the fish a lot less. So so personally, I I try to keep my gun and I'll demonstrate it in a second, quite close, and there's a lot of different ways to do it, but maybe Isaac can show how, yeah, so. If you, yeah. if you cook your elbow, you know, it's just like when you got your wings out when you're in the pool. Hydrodynamics are massive, so something like this, when you're on the bottom, just extend out. It's funny, it's funny you ask that, Charles, because I was actually, um, when we were out last week, I, I was actually really conscious of what everyone was doing because I noticed that we're all quite different. Essentially, you, you achieve the same result. We're all like we all dive with our gun really close in, really streamlined for your for your descent. Um, but I was actually watching Mikey because he how he does it. He holds it. It seems really comfortable and easy for him, but it's quite awkward for me doing it the same way. So yeah. So so the, the way I do it. So when I duck dive, I have the gun out. To, to sort of get leverage, and then when I go down, I fold the gun back and I hold it like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, Italian it's pointing the other pointing the other Italian way though. It's yeah, you you. I find that's quite a comfortable way of, of, of holding it, and and then all the way up to the bottom. I, I normally when I get to the bottom, I just lie the gun down without even pointing it out, and just wait before fish come in and, and only once the fish is in shooting range bring the gun forward and, and take the shot. And, and then the other thing which, which I found to get a, an accurate shot is, is really to, to always try to get into the same shooting position. Like if I look back at fish I miss, it's always because I do some weird top down or bottom up shot. So, so really forcing yourself to, to be as aligned with the gun as, as possible and, and all, 
I think everyone has their own way of, of aiming and shooting, which is a whole other topic. But, but I think trying to always get into the same shooting position rather than trying to fluke it or, yeah. That's really good. I like that, the systematic approach. I don't do that, um, so it's, I learned something there. But that soldier, I think, that, just for people listening to the podcast, the posture Mike was demonstrating was like a soldier holding the butt of a rifle, essentially, and then letting it fall forward on the bottom. Uh, sorry, I saw hands. Will's ready. Yeah, um, I know it's, it's uh, bad luck to ask where spots are, but ha- how do you find spots? I've heard, um, like, using Google Maps, I've heard using... Um, electronics and sounders, but what are you actually looking for before you go on your dive and then when you actually get out there and you've got a sounder, what, what exactly are you looking for? And does it depend on what kind of fish you're looking for? And, you know, if I want to get in there and find something instead of just floating. It's a really good, a question, really good question and there's a shitload to it. So, um, the most popular way when you're out on a boat is to find structure and you want to find the front of that structure where the current's pushing up onto it. That'll be where most of your bait aggregate, and then you get your larger fish swimming in and around. Having said that, a lot of, it depends what you're targeting. If you're targeting reefies, like Michael loves to chase really exotic, difficult reefies, which require good bottom time and deep diving a lot of the time off Brisbane, um, that can be really, you're just trying to get out off the beaten path which is where every other diver goes. And then, uh, and, and you can be looking for all sorts of things. Sudden depth changes, thermoclines. I love looking for bait aggregations, though. If I've got a sounder, that's what I do. Um, it's the same thing when you're shore diving, though. You're looking for lines of reef, um, and you want something that doesn't have too much current because you've got to swim. Um, so, But, yeah, again, same principles apply. You're looking from the surface for bait aggregations. If you can see three schools of different species in one area, that's going to be a really good spot to have a look at. Um, cave structure, anywhere that will um, provide fish with protection and obvious food sources. So obviously bait's going to be a massive one for large predatory fish, but um, these guys have probably got a, a shitload more. Google Earth's fantastic, as you mentioned. Um, you can see obvious reef, particularly on the background of sand, white sand. Um, and yeah, uh, Navionics, even the free version, has got. it'll show you depth contours, it'll show you reef marked out. Any obvious structure, artificial reefs, wrecks, they're great points of aggregation for species as well. Yeah, so, so my point there would, would basically be, I think around here there's no really, there's not really a secret, secret spots because, or very, very few in, in that most spots you, you'll find on Navionics. I, I think where the secret is and, and where it, I think the only recipe is time in the water, is to figure out which location of that spot, so you know, to figure out that a certain reef exists is very easy, but to figure out which part of that reef is good in which conditions, I, I think that's where, where sort of the experience comes in. And, and I think spending time in front of your computer figuring these things out, so looking at Navionics charts, but what I often do if you have like this really classic diver Either you dive a spot that's, that, that suddenly works and has never worked before, or you just have a, a super good dive. Normally, what I'll try to do is, is, is look at all the charts I can find, like things like currents, temperatures, um, you name it. Like, there's a lot of resources if you go on the Syro-type uh, pages, just to figure out why this worked just to get ideas in, in my head, you know, when to go in, in to, to which area. Yeah. 
Sometimes when you tap into some experience and you go with experienced Spiros, you're tapping into hundreds of hours of research. Like if you're going out with Michael, he's put that much thought into this stuff, you, you can leverage that and you can leverage it to your advantage. Having said that, uh, secrecy and not telling anyone else where you go or taking GPS marks with you and doing all these dirty things, they will never make any friends and they burn reputations very quickly. So um, take advantage of the network you have here in the Bull Sharks. These guys have spent a long time thinking about this stuff. Some days you go out and if you're in the right place at the right time, it's on. And if you're in the wrong place, just because it worked last week, it's just quiet and you're going to spend all day working for nothing. So um, good, good sparrows are often, were often good line fishermen in a former life. Um, I was a shit line fisherman. Yeah, me too. Uh, Definitely doesn't apply what, to me. That's why I had to jump over and just start spearing. Um, more questions, guys? Down the back here. Oh, good question. Warm-ups. Oh, that's, a, that's a really good question. I probably, if I wasn't so keen just to get in the water and shoot fish, I would. I tend to do a bit of a um, dry warm-up. Um, so similar to, to free diving in the pool, a bit of stretching and a bit of breathing um, and some, uh, some, you know, lung stretches. But apart from that, I, I don't do a lot of um, uh, in, like, wet warm-ups with hangs or, or anything like that. Um, usually just the first couple of dives, though, is, is the warm-up, so not pushing it too hard or too long, just nice shallow dives, just to really comfortable, really relaxed, just to kind of get into it um, and, get, and get comfortable. Yeah, I, I would second exactly everything Ben said. So I normally do some breathing exercises on the way out, just, yeah, so, some, some big exhales, inhales, a little bit of chest stretching, and, and then taking the, the first few dives quite easy, like not, not really pushing it until I sort of have three, bell, three, three uh, dives under the belt. Yeah. I got this from Adam Stern because he talked on my podcast about basically just pushing the pain threshold in the swimming pool. And you can do the same thing in the ocean. You really want your first few dives to be super chill. Just, just convincing yourself that, hey, I belong here. Like, I love this. This is what I'm doing. Don't focus on fish or any sort of performance. No numbers. Don't look at your dive watch. Just get in the zone, 100%. I like doing some full breaths on the way out. And I convinced a guy that we did yoga one day. And um, <laughs> we're there, we're, we're, we're there were four of us and we were at Redcliffe. And I, he went to the toilet and I convinced the other guys that we did a yoga routine before we got on the boat. And uh, anyway, we got this guy in down with dog and then pretty much just let him know that he was in the middle of a great joke. Um, <laughs> Spiros are real shit at warm-ups. This is like proper freedivers, they do this stuff properly, like stretching and stuff like that. I find with long periods out of the water, the biggest thing that affects me is comfort. So if you've got some diaphragmatic sort of, if you just feel good in the chest, you get down to 15 metres, you just don't feel like shit. Um, that makes a huge difference. You just, you just want to be relaxed. Spearfishing, like freediving, is you, you're chasing that, that zen sort of relaxed state. Yeah, the, the only point I was going to make, don't jump in the water without your gun because it, it's literally, I, I promise you, it will be the day you see a wahoo right under the boat and... It's normally the first drift where, where they dare, so. We've got, we got time for one more, guys, and then we better pack it up. 
He, he's got a Spiro Dad shirt on. Sorry, man. No, nah, no, nah, I want to have two questions. You, both of you go. You go first, mate. You had to ask a big question at the end. Oh, yeah. We can talk about that. So this is where all the stories come out. Um, ben likes hunting in less than five metres because, <laughs> yeah. because basically in less than five metres you never see sharks. See them, yeah. They're there. They yeah. see you, the but one you that don't gets know you them. never see. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think t- time in the water with them. Uh, just And you, get to, you really get to understand their behaviour. Uh, you get a lot more comfortable. They seem to relax around you when you're a lot more comfortable as well, as in my experience. Um, I, I think to, you know, to take a really big topic that you could talk about for ages, that's, that's probably the, the it's, crux of it. It's overly simplistic, but a lot of people compare sharks to dogs in terms of... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, if, if you're submissive or you have you know if you've if they can tell you're terrified yeah you probably seem like a more tempting target so confidence is massive um but being around other people that have been around sharks a lot is a massive help because you just kind of it's a monkey see monkey do kind of thing yeah Um, i think to avoid any of those confrontations again like Shrek said confidence so kind of Make sure you square up to them, look at them, dispatch your fish really quickly. That's, the, that's a big one as well if they're getting a bit towy. Not so much getting it out of the water, but if you can get it out of the water and onto a boat as well, that's, that's helpful. Um, and if you, do ever, you know, if you do ever have them get a little bit aggressive, just, um, again, that confidence, just at them, give them a poke with your gun and they'll tend to back off and really keep their distance after that. They're usually just a little bit inquisitive. They're like puppies. And maybe for, from from my side, so another angle. I I think also knowing when when to quit. Yeah, you know, at, at times if it doesn't feel right, just get get out, go to another spot. Um, I personally don't particularly like diving with sharks. Since, since I had a kit, I sort of refused to dive in less than ten meters within some of the sharky spots, just yeah. because I I can't justify the. The risk, like I'm, I'm convinced the shark that you see is not the shark that is a problem. Like as soon as you see the shark, I, I think you're, you're, you're pretty good. The other one is working as a team, like just sticking together. I, you, you have a better oversight where the sharks are. And, and if you're really keen to, to dive and get some fish up in, in really sharky conditions, what, what we sometimes do is, is double dive, so two people diving down, one backing up and swimming straight for the fish as soon as it's shot just to get, to, to get there before the sharks we, get We do that a fair bit, uh, particularly Mike and I, but again, as long as we've got, there's usually three or four divers in the water, so we have one safety and then two, two, of, us will, two of us will dive. But yeah, get out of the water if you're uncomfortable. It's not, it's not worth it. Did we cover that pretty well? A couple of baseline stuff there. Over here, last question. No worries, you just have to buy a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> actually, two t-shirts, bull shark shirt and a noob spear one. Uh, first one is about the spear gun itself and with the double band, the front band and back band. How do you know which, which one do you load first and which notch? Oh, that's a good question. So the way they sit in the muzzle, um, I'll load the one that's... Hang on, we'll, we'll give you a practical demo. I never realised there was actually a way to do this properly until someone showed me, years after I started. Always the bottom one, yeah? All right, so, top one. It, 
<laughs> top one three. So, so in my opinion, it depends on on what sort of shaft you're running. If you're running a shark fin shaft, you have to do the the top one first yeah. because otherwise you can't get the back one in. Yeah. But if if you're running notch shafts, I like the bottom one first. You can see the indents in the shaft, yeah, shark fins sit prime. Yeah. So this, this is how I was once shown by the, the great Larry Gray from Penetrator. So he, he said, always load your top one first, you bring it through underneath, and you pull, you load that one first, and then you load your bottom one over the top. Yeah. But, but yeah, on a notch shaft, I, I do bottom, top, and it works fine. So what, yeah. what you probably get from that, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> as, as long as it works and the bands are not yeah, tangled up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The beauty of these guns is they're pretty simple. Like, honestly, they're very forgiving. We're all loading the same gun in different ways. So, And um, some people don't even have the strength to get it back to the far tab. So sometimes with shafts, it'll have a, a, a notch halfway down or a tab halfway down. They call that a loading tab, just to purely make it easy for you. So you get it on the loading tab, then you can adjust your position and pull it back the rest of the way. But um, yeah, it's just, once you've done it a hundred times, you're just kind of like, oh, it's easy. But you forget how hard it is too at the start. What was the second part of your question? Uh, the second one was uh, for shore diving, and like when you have like a headland that you want to hit um, and investigate for the first time, and obviously you don't want to spook by just swimming out there, is it best to get in like up current? It's very situational, man, and, and it depends on who you're with and, and what you're doing. Like every headland's different. Um, I think work out a plan with your buddy before you get in. Have a uh, entry plan and also multiple exit plans sort yeah. of in, in place. Because if the current changes, or and I've seen this happen before, you can start, you know, like in a rip rip current or an eddy, and, and you're headed out. So you need to have maybe another exit plan, a backup plan. Um, I tend to like heading out wide and then working my way back in because I know that if I work my way all the way out there and then I get cramp, I got to kick all the way in. Whereas if I've started out wide and then I'm, I'm halfway home before I get cramp, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to carry on. But in saying that, everyone's kind of different and it's just sort of working with your buddy for the best outcome. Um, he might have a plan and know the area better than you. So I tend to go with the most experienced person's idea of how we should do it. And then um, you can't go wrong. I tell you what, in spearfishing, there's a lot of dominant personalities. Like I'm a pretty sort of dominant guy sometimes. And I'll be out on someone else's boat. And after a while, you start to go, no, no, it's not going to work. You know, let's go out there. So the, like if you, if you just go with the flow sometimes and you tend to lean on the experienced person, sometimes they really like that, man. Because, um, it, like, it's a very independent, autonomous sport, so there's a lot of strong personalities. So working with people and coming up with a plan together will do you massive favours. Yeah, I, I think that summarises it well. I, I think we have to wrap up yeah. because otherwise the pool gets upset with us. But if I think we have a lot more time. So we booked some tables at the Stein and Woods, which is literally just on, on the other side of the pool. So if you have any more questions, I think we're all going there for, yeah, for a feed, some beers. Um, yeah, I think we'll take them there. Thanks, guys, uh, for the invite. And, um, yeah, awesome with the Bullsharks, both of you guys with all the work you're doing and everyone else involved in the club too. So 
Thanks for inviting me as well. No, thanks, thanks for coming, mate. Hey guys, uh, different interview today. Uh, I really enjoy. I'm really enjoying doing the live ones. I hope you took a bit out of it today. I know it was around the Brisbane spearfishing context, but I think there was a heap of information in there for everyone. Um, next week it's another local episode. It's a spearfishing safety night with three absolute legends. It was a real, really fun and a really good event. Um, the panel I had was Trevor Kitchen, Adriana Barnes, and Ben Eckhart. And uh, we talked um, responding to first aid emergencies, freediving safety and boating safety. It's a really fun conversation. It was very lively. Check that out. Come back next week. Tune in. If you love the show, consider becoming a patron listener with 50 other legends. Go to patreon.com forward slash noobspirit. Jump on there. Uh, it helps fund trips and all sorts of awesome stuff. So mad props to all the patrons out there. See you next week. Shrek over and out. I just love a functional and simple spear gun that I can trust when I pull the trigger. Killshot spear guns utilize the finest of kiln-dried Burmese teak. Killshot spear guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com i'm really sorry for this terrible accent brought to you by ed martin at killshotspearguns.com today's episode was an absolute banger and so is our major sponsor adreno visit them at adreno.com.au they have a huge range of equipment and you can find it at adreno.com.au use the code noobspear at checkout when you shop online you can save $20 on every purchase over 200 you can even use that code in store at some of their huge mega stores Australia wide price beat guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price again visit them at adreno.com.au use the code noobspear Neptonics.com source the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Jerry says, if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it and dive it. Neptonics is the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing essentials. Neptonics is solid gear that works, and you'll know it's true when you pull the trigger on a Neptonics mech. On every snap of a Neptonics power band and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. Buy gear you can depend on at neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10%.